of Beams, Screams, and Dreams. As always, I'm your host, Joshua Wigan. And I'm Ashley Wigan. This season, we brought you guys on an incredible journey of the unknown through the eyes of first-hand experiencers. Yeah, it's been uh, quite a ride uh, between first-hand experiencers and just some fun guests that we've had on uh, to talk about phenomena, you know, <laughs> from their own perspective. Uh, we've had a great time. Not to mention uh, our wonderful Extra Normal News segment. <laughs> yep. But what? we're going to take a short break um, between seasons so that we can bring you a great mini-series. That's right. Uh, it's going to be coming to you. Uh, it's going to be myself and our editor, Ben DeLorean. And it's going to be a little mini-series called DeLorean's DeLorean, where we're going to dive into some of history's mysteries. Well, with that being said, we can't wait to see you guys back for season two in April, but our season finale tonight features No More Slavic, an incredible author, a documentarian, all-around kind of UFO... A ufologist, and he's an experiencer as well. So we hope you guys enjoy tonight's episode. Stay tuned. Tonight's guest is an author and documentarian whose newest work, Granite Skies, is available now for purchase. No more Slavic. Welcome to Beam Screams and Dreams. How are you? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. Yeah, it's great to have you. I know you're uh, taking some time out of your busy schedule here between uh, making documentaries, <laughs> writing books, and hosting a podcast uh, to, sure. to come here. We're really, uh, we're really grateful to have you on. Yeah, I appreciate it. I also binge a lot of Hulu and Netflix, so. <laughs> <laughs> you got to squeeze stuff in when you can, right? <laughs> yeah. So uh, you're you're from Maine originally, right? I am, yeah. And I was looking in your bio, too, and it said uh, that, that you had uh, a UFO experience when uh, you were very young. I think it said four years old. Yeah, yeah. I was, uh, realistically, I was between three and five because I can't honestly remember, so I just kind of say four. Uh, it, it was actually the first of like 11 encounters that I've had throughout my lifetime. Wow. But that first one was pretty significant. I was um, laying on my bed. I lived in Fort Kent, Maine at the time, which is right at the tip of Maine. Uh, and uh, I lived on the St. John River, uh, which connects Canada to the United States. And I could, you know, throw a rock and hit Canada. That's how close it was. So I'm sound asleep one night. And a loud bang woke me up and my eyes kind of popped open and, and I, I'm sure I was a little bit scared and I was trying to figure out what had happened or what that sound was. And then I started hearing uh, like the sprinkling of rain hitting the window, my bedroom window. And then I could see like the sky flickering, you know, and I was like, oh, a, a thunder and lightning storm. So I kind of like kneeled up on my bed and looked out the window and I'm watching, I'm watching the lightning and, and whatnot. And after just a moment or so, there was this really like obscene, jagged, yellow lightning bolt that got stuck in a cloud. And like, if I were to ask you to draw a lightning bolt, you would draw like this jagged yellow line or like the charging indicator on your, your, your smartphone. Sure. And that's how my young mind observed it anyways. And that's what my memory still sees, but it was stuck in a cloud and there was electricity coming off of it and there was booms happening. And I knew at the time that 
that lightning is only just a split second, but this stayed there. And I don't really know what happened after that. I must have fallen back asleep. I wake up the next morning, go to the bathroom. And as I'm walking back to my bedroom, I can see through my bedroom window down the hallway and that lightning bolt still there in the cloud. Whoa. I was like, that's crazy. I got to go tell my dad. So I ran downstairs, got my dad, brought him upstairs to look out the window and it was gone by the time he got there. So now I'm trying to explain to him like what the hell I saw. And he was kind of doing the dad thing, like, you know, pat me on the head, like, yeah, yeah, yeah you know, just yeah. trying to kind of get me to calm down. And I must have been like really insistent because I remember him kind of getting down on my level, puts his hands on my shoulders and was like, listen, it didn't even rain last night. Like, I'm not even I, I, I'm not sure what you're talking about. Yeah. So so that was kind of it there. And then fast forward two weeks and. I'm being woken up in the middle of the night. I mean, it could have been 10 p.m. I don't know, but you know, I was very young sure, and sure. I'm getting woken up. So is my sister and they're dressing us up in all of our winter gear. And we're like, what, you know, what's going on? And my dad kind of scoops me up, takes me outside and shows us the Northern lights. Oh, wow. It's the only, yeah, it was, it's the only time I've ever seen them. I can remember it like it was yesterday, lots of greens and some blues. And it was just dancing around the sky. So uh, at really such a young age, it was instilled in me that weird shit happens in the sky and I should yeah. probably pay attention. And that was kind of like the catalyst that kind of kept me looking up and it just kind of kept snowballing, you know, into my teens and then into my twenties and into what I'm doing now, you know, but, but that was the first one. And it was really, really something to, to, see at such a young age you know well it also something that's really interesting about that is that it did inspire you to continue to look at it you know look for these like anomalies mm. because i don't feel like a lot of like mm. a lot of kids would you know say okay yeah dad was like whatever it's a dream yeah, you're fine you know you go back to bed and don't ever think yeah. of it again you know <laughs> yeah which, which yeah, is it was great. just the opposite yeah, and it, that's great, and it obviously uh, informed your, uh, you know, life decisions going forward to to pursue the path that you've been on. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah, also, fortunate, fortunately and unfortunately, but yeah. <laughs> I, I say fortunately, sure. but uh, you know, the uh, I, I was actually watching one of your uh, documentaries, um, and that yeah. was Abducted New England. So, oh, nice. You know, that's that's right. You know, that's your neck of the woods. Uh, I was curious as to how you came across some of the, the guests and some of the experiencers you had on there. Are these people that you knew from the area uh, personally? Uh, or No, nobody that I knew personally. Uh, I've been researching and writing about this stuff for, you know, going on 20 years now. And uh, when I first started, it was kind of going through a ton of, you know, old newspaper clippings, you know, researching at the library, you know, uh, trying to build my own collection of like UFO books and taking out books from the library, stuff like that to, to try to find and collect stories from the Northeast United States. Obviously I was very interested in ufology across the globe, but it was, you know, I, I I'm a Mainer and I just think stuff coming from my state or near my state's really cool. So I was really researching a lot of that stuff. Well, New England is, is, is historically a, hotspot for pretty much everything extra everything. yeah yeah absolutely you know sasquatch hauntings uh there's even a really interesting dogman story from uh maine which is uh yeah pretty cool. 
but yeah, so when I first started out, that's what I was doing and trying to collect stories. And I wanted to group those stories into something to share with people, you know, so what do you do 20 years ago? You know, blogs really weren't a big thing then. And so I just knew that I needed to collect stuff, maybe write them down, things like that. But as the years went on and I started getting serious with my writing, I would start to look at newspaper reports, seeing the witness name, and then trying to find and contact the witness to see if they would talk to me. Oh, wow. So there was a lot of uh, putting my feelers out there to, to try to get witnesses to talk to me. Sure, and sure. now, since I've been doing this so long, I'm getting you know emails and Facebook messages and, and things like that. People come uh, to you now. Yeah, yeah, all the well, time now. Let me so. ask you this too, uh, especially in, in 2021 now, um, you know, you don't get like we don't get a lot of paranormal, cryptic, ghost stories and things like that in newspapers anymore. You know, no, you yeah. don't get, you know, you don't really get that stuff. Like they're not going to publish that. You know, and they don't really have like the National Enquirer yeah, out there. You, you know, see the Weekly like, World News, the National like, so Enquirer. So it's got to be really there. different now to like suss out those stories to find like you know fresh stories to to talk to yeah. a witness. You know that aren't going to be like archive clippings or microfiche you know in a library yeah yeah and and that's a big part of it for me is i want to tell um fresh stories that doesn't mean that it happened yesterday uh, but it basically means that it's really never been published before right um, and, and and that's just uh because I, if i were a reader of the paranormal i want to read something new like how many times can we tell the roswell story or the travis yeah. walton story exactly. it's not that they're not great betty and barney but, uh yeah yeah, yeah. betty and barney which is betty you know, barney yeah, okay i was like hold on i yeah, just yeah. did a flintstones thing but i was right yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. Betty barney, yeah, yeah. You're, you're dead on yeah but, that, uh, but I, I found uh, the uh, abducted new england to be to be really great everybody did have the have, cool. have, a, have a new story that I hadn't heard before, you know, obviously yeah. these are uh, fresh faces and folks we haven't seen on the, you know, the ufology circuit, you know, yeah. uh, and yeah. I found really and interesting I, I, too that you uh, uh, documented some uh, hypnotic regression in there as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, some of these people uh, do try to seek out answers uh, on their own. And some of that comes from hypnotic regression therapy. Uh, I'm honestly not a, you know, big believer in it. I, I think memory is really malleable yeah. and can be influenced. So, you know, if I were trying to prove to somebody, I suppose that extraterrestrials are real i i wouldn't they the hypno regression therapy is not the first thing i would point them towards uh but when people have gone through it and specifically for me when i can meet with that person in person and i can you know read their body language see the look on their face hear the tone in their voice that gives me much more perspective and i can trust at the very least that they believe what came through in the hypnoregression therapy is true to them. And that's right. still fascinating to me, regardless of my belief, you know? Sure. So, uh, so that's kind of my, some of my thoughts on hypnoregression. Yeah, yeah. I feel like uh, movies like, uh, well, specifically the fourth kind, Ooh, uh, you know, kind, kind of gave everybody a really wild idea about what uh, hypnotic regression therapy actually is uh you know the way that it was portrayed in that film was people going into the fuge state and kind of uh you know full body spasms and reliving uh this experience and 
and something coming through, even like an alien consciousness. I think right. they had like kind of coming through in that movie too, uh, which kind of like poisoned the well a little bit, if you oh, will. Absolutely, absolutely. When, when, but I'm a huge fan of things that people might consider guilty pleasures, and that movie is a huge guilty pleasure. For it me. is great. Yeah, it is yeah. great. Don't get me wrong. I think I think just yeah. like there that portrayal, you know, kind of uh, made people be like, oh man, I had a weird thing one time. I wonder if I got hypnotic regression if I'm gonna you yeah. know have like uh uh you know this this encounter again right. or well also i think it. you know um a lot of that is that, like you know hypnosis with the power of suggestion you right. like you said you believe it you tell your story you know your story so you're bound to kind of and our brain does this naturally in in everyday life fill in the gaps of sure. you know what was there what wasn't there but it is like your job it's our job we we suspend all disbelief for yep. um for the sake of hearing someone's story because at the end of the day yeah. i think it's important that people tell their stories because that's how we started as civilization you know you tell your stories you know you whether yeah. they're true or not there's a lesson to be learned there's sure. some some truth and some importance there and for me a big part of it for me especially like the last five years of my work like i, re I really don't like give a shit about like disclosure or anything anymore it's about the person and people regardless of the catalyst people are experiencing diagnosable ptsd anxiety yeah. depression right and and regardless of your belief of what the catalyst for that was or whatever trauma that was there are real people having those real mental health issues and I think it's really important to have a non-judgmental ear, a kind ear, just to listen so somebody can be heard. It's, you know, that that goes, that it's just hugely important. I myself suffer from uh, anxiety, depression, uh, occasional suicidal ideation, and it, it's important these days, in my opinion, anyways, to normalize the discussion of stuff like that. And and if we do normalize that, then hopefully people will try to seek more help. You know, I, I know that when I talk about it more that A, I feel a little bit lighter and B, it, it's not so scary. And maybe if I can't reach out to a professional, whether that's financial constraints or I'm just not ready for that yet. Maybe I'll reach out to a good friend or somebody that uh, has experience in, in discussing such things. And so really, you know, listening to people and, and letting people be heard is just a huge aspect of it. Um, a little bit on, a, uh, on the other side of that, on the, I don't know, for lack of a better term, the academic side of it. I think it's really important for a matter of like historical record you know, there's, right. there's MUFON and there's New Fork and, you know, MUFON yeah. is a whole bunch of yeah. bullshit. And I think people should stay away from them because yeah. uh, there's a whole, you know, problematic stuff within their leadership. Uh, and then there's also New Fork, uh, Peter Davenport, he, you know, personality wise, you know, some people might have issues with him, but he's real, you know, honest guy and just reports what he hears. Anyways, the point is, is that there's databases, really large databases out there, and that's great, but it doesn't paint the picture of the experiencer, doesn't get into the nitty gritty details of the encounter, because the encounter might have been one second, it could have been six hours, right. but what happened after that? 
you know, yeah. like the, the following days, the following weeks, the following months, the following years, like what's going on in their life. Also, I'm interested in what happened the day before, a few days before, a week before, where there right. are some sort of signs where we can try to put together, you know, something to kind of figure out, oh, you know, when somebody starts experiencing this symptom, it could lead to some sort of light in the sky sighting or some sort of abduction scenario. So I think if we can document these as uh, articulated as possible, I think the matter of historical record uh, can be really uh, helpful for people trying to figure out what the hell's going on with what people are seeing, you know? Well, Just because yeah, it's as much of a phenomenon as it is, it's still something that is quite normal in our history and throughout the entire oh. world, yeah. everywhere. Yeah. And so I believe from like an anthropological, anthropological, you know, perspective, that does make sense to me. You know, you do need to have this archive of people's experiences and you, you know, <clears throat> there are a few that are you know always like yes i've heard that before yes i've heard that before yeah. but everyone's personal perspective is still so very important because it also you know it involves like your culture and like how you are and what was what was like scary about it because some people aren't afraid you yeah. know yeah true very true and yeah. you know we've said it before on the show it always takes like uh you know it does take like a huge act of bravery for uh experiencers to come forward Absolutely. and share that experiences right at the you know risk of being ridiculed of being you know exiled from friends and family and right. stuff and well, just or even losing your job in some situations because they're just like oh, i can't associate with this this person you know it, it does take a huge act of bravery to come forward and it is part of i think a healing process through trauma like you said a lot of people uh experience ptsd and ridiculous. I mean, that's just as ridiculous as you know racism or yeah. exactly exactly right Having talked to uh, as many abductees as you as you have or experiencers, uh, what is your? I, I don't know if you have uh, a, an overarching theory on on it. Whether these are nuts and bolts crafts, is this more of a a, 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 a Jacques Vallée sort of a psychic experience that these people are experiencing in in their consciousness alone as a as a projection of consciousness? Yeah. Um, I don't, what, is, what is your take on, uh, or is it different for each experiencer? What was your take on that? Uh, well, doing this as long as I've, I have so far, the only thing that I figured out is that I have way more questions than answers. Yeah. Uh, I'm not an expert. I think as soon as somebody says that they're an expert, that's when I stop listening. Red flag. <laughs> Like this, yeah, because you know, this field is so vague. And there's, you know, researchers out there that claim to know um, uh, different species and, and all this thing and different types of ships. And sure. like that's all just, you know, bullshit to me. So, what do I think is going on out there? I have no friggin' idea, but something really strange is happening. People yeah. are seeing it and witnessing it and uh, are potentially being taken. And yeah. I think it's a really big deal. I do think that there is an otherworldly uh, attachment to it, but I don't know if that's interdimensional. I don't know if that's, you know, outer dimension. I don't know what the hell it is, uh, but something is happening and that's all I got, you know? No. Yeah. And, you know, that kind of brings me to, you know, there's a lot of uh, kind of UFO shaman types out there right now. I don't know what your feelings on somebody like uh, Dr. Uh, Stephen Greer out yeah, there is. Been. What's that? 
I'm not a fan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we we could talk about it here openly. I mean, uh, I, I feel like there are those. Uh, to me, I've said this before. Uh, uh, he kind of uh, sells hope the way the same way like Alex Jones sells fear. <laughs> yeah. You yeah, know, I would, so I would agree with that. Yeah, you know, and uh, and it's kind of that. That's another one of those things that kind of uh, poisons the well or muddies the water of ufology in uh, general. Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't, the the snake oil salesman. You know, it's the idea yeah. of of you know you're out there making money off of other people's actual experiences, other people's right. actual you know sometimes very traumatizing experiences and. And sell and three thousand sell, yeah, sell you know? tickets to your ranch yeah. sort of sort of thing. Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of weird. Yeah. And then then you do have other guys out there like Bob Lazar. That's that's kind of back and forth for me of whether I you know do I trust the I, Bob uh, Lazar story? Do I not? You know, yeah. I uh, I personally think Bob Lazar is like a nightmare and a train wreck, and he's really um, difficult to believe in some circumstances but then there's some things that he said after some research has been done not by me but you know by others in the field where some of that is true but some of it isn't true and right. what what i think is that i think something really interesting happened to bob lazar early on and then i there may have been some fabrication thereafter um, it also kind of reminds me of Stan Romanek, who's oh, hugely man. controversial and now like a convicted child predator or exactly. child pornography. Yeah. But I, I also think that he probably had some legitimate experiences. There's some, uh, you know, before the alien footage, there's actual UFO footage that he had taken yeah. when he was like on a, on a road trip or whatever. Right. And I think stuff like that in early on in, in his encounters were factual. And then I think he found, or was thinking he might make a lot of money from this stuff and, sure. and, and it kind of went off the rails. Uh, but that's just my two cents on. No, you know, I've, I've actually talked to uh, some friends about that before. I said, that's the phenomena inside the phenomena is when somebody experiences something and then the limelight gets put on them. And they, yeah. they either like that so much or see the dollar signs, they don't want the limelight to go away, and then they start fabricating uh, to try to to try to try stay in it. And that, that kind of ruins it, and at the same time, ruins any credibility they did have, and then it kind of makes everybody look at the the entire field and say, well, what are we doing here? You know, yeah. this guy's a proven fake, then it's all a fake, which you obviously can't do that, you know. Uh, like, you know, yeah. let one apple uh, uh, spoil the whole bunch. Sure. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that borders on, you know, like victim blaming and, and stuff like that. Nobody should be doing that. Uh, but there are some cases out there, some famous ones that I really find compelling. And I do believe them, you know, Benny and Barney Hill is one of them. Uh, Travis yeah. Walton's case is, is one of them. Like, that story is just phenomenal. And, yeah. and like, you know, I yeah. uh, first, first saw Fire in the Sky when I was like a little kid. And yeah. obviously, it's I was so like, <laughs> Travis Walton's super hot one, you know, <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, hey man, he's not totally... the real guy. But yeah, the, not the, the real. Actor the actor was great. Who played Travis <laughs> Walton? Being a little kid, I was like, yeah, you know, <laughs> aliens, awesome, let's do it, like, whatever. Even though, of course, he was like terrified, and then obviously the movie yeah. was like exaggerated based off of his actual uh, personal accounts. It was definitely that? different. Yeah. It was definitely different. Yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, like that was definitely one of the, my first encounters with that. Other than you know just always being like oh that's definitely a ufo when i was a kid 
And having seen one like myself later, like, like okay, no, that obviously wasn't, but yeah, you know, you can tell the difference now. So sure. to you, is uh, is is somebody like Travis Walton the gold standard, or what would you say is like the uh, most compelling piece of uh, evidence of the abduction phenomena? Oh boy, that's a good question because there's there's a lot of good stories out there. Um, I guess one that I can never get away from too much as one of the most compelling is the Betty and Barney Hill. Yeah. Um, there's also the Allagash abductions that actually happened in Maine, but it got yeah. national recognition, kind of like Travis Walton. And it was about um, four friends, two of them were brothers, but you know, four dudes who were in Massachusetts came up to Maine for uh, a week. I think it was their spring break, maybe something like that. And they had an abduction experience and they actually didn't really talk about it for years until one of the four gentlemen started having these really kind of crazy dreams and it started to affect him like in a medical way where he started to like have some seizures and, and things like that but in his dreams he remembers being surrounded by these aliens alien type figures and he started to research it a little bit, discovered MUFON, ended up going to like a MUFON conference. And that's where he met Raymond Fowler, uh, who was, you know, a, a researcher back in the day. He's actually still alive, just put out a new book, actually, uh, which people can get on Amazon. But uh, he's I think he's boy, he's over 80 and living yeah. in southern Maine and just doing his thing. Uh, he actually teaches a course uh, at a community college about like alien abduction and things like oh, that. Oh, like that's a, so cool. That's cool. Yeah. I would totally take that class. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a little pricey, but yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, so that Allagash abduction case, really interesting. So, uh, you know, these guys get in contact with Ray Fowler eventually. And then Ray puts them in touch with some hypno regression people. And all four of them go through hypno regression. And it was kind of similar to fire in the sky or, you know, the Travis Walton case where, you know, it was each individual person, you know, not talking to the other after, and they all had the same, you know, very similar, if not the same story. Uh, two of them were, uh, or one of them was like a, an artist. And so he drew what he's, remembered of the aliens and the other guys were like in real agreement like yes that's what they look like their examinations were really um all very similar but anyways one of the most compelling stories just with the sequence of events how it just took years for it to come out and and once it finally came out they were even reluctant to like go public with it you know it was Ray yeah. Fowler who really kind of pushed that piece of it and ended up writing a fascinating book about them but uh, so yeah, I guess Betty and Barney Hill, Travis Walton, Allagash abductions, those are like three of the most compelling ones to me. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree. I mean, they're all people that uh, had more to lose than gain uh, yeah. by, by sharing their stories. And right. all. They definitely didn't seem like the type to be uh, clout chasing something that, that at that time was especially such an offbeat yeah. thing to even talk about in public. Sure. That, that was a, it would be a weird uh, wagon to hit your horse onto. Well, yeah. especially in that it's, you, don't, you don't talk about your feelings. You don't talk about your experiences. Don't talk about right. your personal life. And with Betty and Barney Hill Same also thing. being yeah. an uh, interracial couple at, at the time yeah. of, uh, you know, or free don't, civil rights don't, era. Don't you put know, the limelight uh, on yourself. In yeah, and, and they, kind of, they kind of were thrust into that. You know, they, they definitely were uh, had more to lose than gain in that. Sure. I, I definitely agree Absolutely. with you on those, uh, those being uh, kind of the gold standard there. Screams, 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 screams.
Welcome to the season one finale of ENN. I'm Ashley Wigan, bringing you the weirdest and wildest news from around the globe. If it's extra normal, you'll find it here on Extra Normal News. With the Hallmark holiday for lovers quickly approaching, stores are stocking up on hearts filled with chocolates, oversized cards, and all kinds of merchandise to help show your love for your partner. But what about your exes? Don't they deserve some special attention too? Well, an El Paso, Texas zoo has the perfect gift for your ex this season. As part of their annual Quit Bugging Me Valentine's event, you can name a cockroach after your you can name a cockroach after your former flame and watch it be fed to a meerkat, iguana, or skink. The event has become so popular they decided to restructure the zoo's petting zoo into the now called Petty Zoo. There's one way to get a sense of relief and closure. Another story out of the Lone Star State comes from the Texas Department of Public Safety. Apparently, the department sent out an Amber Alert for the iconic Chucky doll and his non-binary child, Glenn, on Friday afternoon. The alert went out to the public three separate times. A department representative, Ruben Medina, confirmed the alert was a test clearly not meant for the public. But nevertheless, it drew plenty of attention even catching the eye of Chucky writer and director Don Mancini via Twitter. He responded with the plea to, please find them. Chucky's bride, Tiffany Valentine, also took to Twitter to urge her followers to look out for their child. This should make for quite an interesting crossover and rebranding of the canceled 2006 television show, Kidnapped. Liam Neeson is also reportedly on the case as a favor to Tiffany Valentine. And to take us out tonight, we go to Slovakia for an interesting turn of events for a man involved in a robbery of a Shell gas station this past weekend. The suspect, a 24-year-old male, held up a Shell station in Bratislava, demanding the male cashier hand over the money and then punching him in the face. The cashier fled to the back when a woman seemingly out of nowhere appeared and offered the crook fellatio. As the mystery woman performed perf as the mystery woman performed oral sex on the thief, the cashier had the opportunity to alert the local police, who arrived mid-blowjob. The woman, who seemed eager to help distract the suspect, told the police, Take him. I can't anymore. The perpetrator resisted arrest, and the police had to use force in order to detain him. We reached out to a popular gas station America's side called Come and Go to see if their official policy was adjacent to the woman's actions. Their reply, and I quote, Please stop emailing us. That does it for this edition of ENN and this season of Wild News. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next season. This episode of Beams, Screams, and Dreams is sponsored by Beards and Brothers Barber Lounge. Has quarantine got you down? Feeling less than yourself? Visit Beards and Brothers Barber Lounge, where you can be freshened up and brought back to your true potential in a professional, quarantine-safe, and fun environment. While at Beards and Brothers, treat yourself to a hot towel facial massage, straight razor shave, and the top-of-the-line clove and cinnamon beard oil made from all natural ingredients by the Olive My Beard Company. The perfect gift for the bearded friends and family in your life. That's Beards and Brothers Barber Lounge, located at 2159 North Academy Boulevard, Colorado Springs, Colorado.
production phenomena. Yeah. I want to comment on something. Uh, we were watching Otherworldly and More. Otherworldly and More, With yeah. Josh oh, cool. and Shauna, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Um, so something that we were talking about, we had uh, we had an abductee on our Halloween special. Okay, so yeah, we were watching Otherworldly and More, and uh, Josh and Shauna had an experience that they described in that film um, a, that was very similar to one that, that Damien Gray had, and he was a guest that we had here on um, a Halloween special. Him and his friend shared the experience of driving in the car, and they were about an hour or so away from their yeah. their destination, just like Josh and Shauna, lost all the time, and were, and were like came five to, minutes from yeah, where they came needed to, to be. Pulling up, practically pulling up to where they were supposed yeah. to be. And I find that that's a really interesting experience, especially that it it has happened to several different people. A, a lot. And how do you lose time driving in a car? You know, are you like, how no, does it happen? No. Like, I know it's it's uh, it's literally unexplainable, and it's one of the most fascinating aspects of these abduction encounters. In 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 my opinion, I think they're treated sometimes or a lot of the times as a little insignificant given the the entirety of an encounter, you know, like you're actually like seeing an alien, you know, all this stuff, but the missing time piece is like just as terrifying to me, yeah. you know, yeah. like there's, uh, you know, I was telling you guys, I saw, I've seen like 11 UFOs in my lifetime. And I mean, unidentified flying object. It's be, that term is, or that acronym has become synonymous, uh, synonymous with um, extraterrestrial. But I've just seen eleven things that were completely unexplainable to me. You right. Know? Um, some of them I do think were extraterrestrial, but obviously I can't say that about all of them. But anyways, I do with. I, I like to drive at night a lot, and it helps to sky watch. And I am always checking the time, like just to make sure I'm not missing any time. And it hasn't happened yet. So <laughs> count my blessings there. But yeah, you're too you know, aware now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but missing time is definitely uh, frightening and fascinating. Yeah, we really did have to take a pause at that because though I'd heard, you know, even had a guest uh, talk about it before, when we were sitting there watching it in your documentary, I had to take a pause and say, you know, how would the logistics of an abduction even work if you're in a car? Do yeah. they take the whole car and physically, you know, if, then if they this just is, put you back? If this or is, like, yeah, is this is this a the whole thing is gone and now we're moving you down? We pulled it, out of your mind the location where you were going, and then bam, well that's close to where we're gonna drop you off. Or is we it can like approximate the amount of time. Mind switch, you know, like an uh, imposter that's like operating while, and right. then they just take is it a, oh. they have a just a gray that's an avatar you know just kind of <laughs> yeah. autopiloting for you in the meantime uh and then you know they swap you back out i don't know it really it re oddly enough was one of the first times that i had to sit there for a few minutes and be like what are the logistics because yeah you hear about all the time abduction. but we never actually thought about it have yeah. we <laughs> yeah yeah that it, it it is interesting and you know i guess with people that I've talked to, uh, some of the consensus just by hearing a lot of, you know, different stories is that the car and everything is taken with them. Yeah. And transported to a different area. Uh, that might be what their perception is, but who knows what's actually happening? You know, right. is there some sort of space time bubble that makes them 
invisible during this time you know makes the car invisible during this time i like you know like they're like the black hole put right in front of you they drive into it and they drive out of it on the other side when they're done yeah yeah yeah. or like contact where it's just like to us it's just one second right um there's you know uh, hours of experience happening you know you know the kind of driving into a thing is an interesting concept and that kind of yeah. uh, well, goes. Everyone that kinda, talks about the thin. Well, like, yeah, the that kind of uh, reminds me of some of like the uh, missing four one one type phenomena, yeah. where some people kind of see that shimmer. And, you know, it's like, oh, somebody yeah. just walked into that and never came never out. came back. You know, yeah, yeah or right. reappears miles away, right. disheveled, right. missing articles of clothing, this and that. You know, those are some of the right. phenomena that are that are wildly interesting involved in this and. You know, I don't, I don't think with the missing 411, they've ever gone so far as to say, ah, oh, this is an extraterrestrial or, yeah. a, or, or yeah. a paranormal phenomena per se. But, you know, I feel as though it's, I think it's, it's all connected. It's, it's deeply implied. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it definitely feels connected in, in some way. But the, the missing 411 stuff is fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Um, so, uh, you know, for otherworldly or more how did, how did you wind up getting uh, in contact with uh shauna and josh uh that started with uh the co-director of abducted new england bill brock he and i were putting out some feelers on uh, facebook about people um sharing some stories i think we had like four people lined up uh, and we just wanted to have some backup you know, and so that's when we started putting feelers out, you know, just in case anybody dropped out and didn't want to do the documentary. And in putting the feelers out there, Shauna got in contact with me and she's like, hey, here's just this one story. And I'm like, whoa, that's a really interesting story. Cool. Like, if we do decide to use you, is it okay to, you know, contact you, have you be on camera and all that stuff? She's like, yeah, yeah sure. And like, me and my husband, we have like tons of stories. And I'm like, oh, really? Okay, well, you know, we'll, we'll stay in contact. So Bill and I, you know, went to do the documentary and it turns out we only ended up needing three people for the documentary. So we couldn't use uh, some of the other people that we wanted to use. And uh, it probably wasn't until, I don't know, two or three months later uh, when I started contacting Shauna again, I was like, hey, you know, remember me, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, oh yeah, yeah. And she started sharing a bunch of other stories. And I'm always in some sort of in the middle of some sort of project. So I was working on a book. I was like, man, these stories are fascinating. I really I want to hear everything. Like, can I come down and interview you and your husband? And she's like, yeah, absolutely. So I, I drive down to Southern Maine, which is, you know, a couple few hours away from me. And uh, I go down there and I have I end up having like a five hour conversation with them and like halfway through it. I was like, guys, like this stuff is happening right around you. Like, did you ever think to like pull out a camera or something? And they're like, oh yeah, we haven't even told you about the evidence we have yet. And Josh oh goes and gets his laptop. Yeah. So Josh gets his laptop and there's just hundreds of pictures and videos and, you know, it barely scratched the surface on what's in the documentary for evidence. And, you know, so they're continuing to tell me stories and I'm just going through looking at all these crazy pictures and watching some videos and, and all this crazy stuff. And I, I was just like, guys, like, like towards the end of it, I was like, this really needs to be told in a documentary, not in a book. Like people have to see all of this stuff, you know, to, to really get your story out there. Like, what are your thoughts on doing a documentary? And they were apprehensive, you know, they, yeah, you know, Josh has a business 
and it's a construction business and he you know was worried about that so you know they asked a lot of questions i answered them the best i could you know with with, with some of the stuff that was holding them back and i guess after i answered everything they're like yeah we feel really comfortable with you and 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 telling that story or our story so yeah why don't you do that so anyways it probably wasn't until a few months later i could get back down there and you know i think we did the shoot in just one day maybe two days and uh, and then it was like nine months of like editing and yeah. you know, how how all that stuff goes, uh, but yeah, that's that's basically how how that happened. Yeah, that's that's really cool. I, I enjoyed that documentary. And yeah, I, I gotta yeah. I gotta ask too. You know, um, you having uh, now researched you know the phenomenon so much, talked to so many abductees, made documentaries uh, with these abductees. You know have you experienced more high strangeness in your life? Have you, have you felt the void stare back as, as you've stared into it? Well, I'm constantly looking for it. And so I've, I've had my own experiences. I don't think they've snowballed or gotten any greater through, you know, me making more things, you know, writing more books or things like that. Like, I don't think there's a connection there. I just keep experiencing things and it's, it's mostly, you know, lights in the skies. Uh, there has been some ghost stuff that's uh, happened to me that I've witnessed. And like most recently in February of 2020, I saw some sort of creature on the side of the road, like two miles from like where I live. Whoa. It was wild. Yeah, uh, I was, uh, this was like before the pandemic dropped, you know, which feels like a thousand years ago. Right. <laughs> so it's basically this time last year, I think it was like February 10th. I It's actually online somewhere where the date's there, but I'm, I'm driving home. It's like 645 in the evening, but it's Maine. So it gets dark like at four in the winter, you know? And so it's complete dark, uh, but there's nobody else on the road. You know, I kind of live in the sticks. So uh, it's a 45 mile an hour road and uh, about a hundred yards in front of me on the opposite side of the road, I saw it's the best way to describe it is kind of like one of those uh, Blair Witch stick dolls. Uh, but if it were like five or six feet tall was like <sighs> on the side of the road. And so it had these like spindly arms and legs uh, and it had a head, but it looked like there was antlers or more sticks coming out of the head. And uh, I saw it take this like exaggerated step over um, a ditch that's on either side of the road. And it, you know, it has to, it, it had to step over this ditch from the side of the road to get into the wooded area. And when my lights shined on it, it was, it looked like it was covered in like tar or maybe it was like an exoskeleton or something. It was just really black and shiny. Oh. And it's not like it looked at me or anything. It like stepped in. It was like, it all happened in like a matter of three seconds. I'm going like 45 miles an hour. It's a hundred yards away. That's basically what I see. Also, I'm coming up on the area really fast where I saw it. So by the time I get to that area, it's, it's out of sight, but I stop my car in the middle of the road, again, desolate road, you know, nobody coming. So it's no big deal to stop. I roll down my window because I want to hear if I can hear something crunching Moving in the snow. And yeah, I hear absolutely nothing. But then, like, almost immediately, I'm hit with this like putrid stench. And like, it almost made me want to gag. It was so bad. 
and you know it was like 10 degrees out and i couldn't stomach sitting in the car with it so i like had to roll all four windows down for like the rest of the ride home i just had to like air it out it was really bad and it pretty much stuck with me you know almost the the whole way back to my place and uh, that was the encounter but i i told this story on a, a different podcast this was a few months ago now but the gentleman said it reminded him of what he's heard of uh this creature called the vomit man Whoa! <laughs> and i guess yeah i guess that's something that's been seen really like a handful maybe a dozen times but in the south like louisiana like in the swamps and it's like sure, this sure. stick looking figure you know, like how I described and people like there's this just such a horrible stench associated with it that people who have witnessed it have vomited. And that's how like it got its name, you know, yeah. what it would be doing up in Maine in February. I don't know, but that's that's what I saw. I mean, it could have been it really could have been anything. But, you know, it was 645 wide awake. I, you know, I'm not a drinker. And, you know, I, it's it's what I saw. It was weird. That is that is a wild story. I, you know, I've heard of the uh, the putrid smell being even associated sure. with uh, with grays. Yeah, you know? grays, Bigfoot, Dogman, like a lot of different stuff. Yeah. So like when when that hit me, you know, I, I at the same time I'm having like my witness hat on because like I have to like it, like there's nothing I can do about that. I'm a witness to something. So um, my absorb all the on. information that you can so that you can. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm, I'm also trying to have my researcher hat on. And I honestly don't like having experiences as a researcher, <laughs> you know, because it, it just, I don't know. It's uh, you're trying uh, to disprove yourself or yeah, prove sure. your, prove it to yourself, you know? Yeah. 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 And, uh, but you know, they happen. So it, it is what it is, but I tried to put my researcher hat on uh, pretty quickly and try to get over the, the witnessing of it. And so as soon as I got back to my place, I wrote everything down as detailed as possible and ended up emailing it to a buddy just so like he could have it and he can know what happened. And then I ended up sharing it with a fellow researcher down in Tennessee. And, and uh, he thought it was pretty compelling that he shared it on his, you know, his stuff that he does. And um, yeah, it was, a, it was a weird one. Yeah. I'd say that definitely qualifies as high strangeness. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but especially you said it was snowing. So you would be able to see that, the the contrast of the dark exactly. skin or body whatever it was right. right i know you said uh before that you know you're not very interested in in disclosure anymore and uh you know we do have some recent things that have been uh released by you know the cia and the government and we're coming up on the deadline for a, another freedom of information act uh, release of information. Did you find anything compelling in any of the in any of the recent stuff? I mean, the Tic Tac UFO. We also have the uh, the Gateway process uh, released by the CIA. Yeah, yeah. The, the all of it, all of it is massively compelling. Though you know the the Tic Tac Nimitz stuff, like all of that is wild, and it's really cool that it's coming out, but. I also have a big issue with the sources, the CIA, the government, uh, and a lot of the news sources that are reporting it. Like, I, it's not a thing I typically trust, you know? 
Sure. And just because it's in the mainstream and it's something I'm really interested in, that could make it easy for some people to really want to trust it more right. than you should be trusting it. You know, again, this is just all, you know, my opinion and, you know, what the hell do I know? But that, that's kind of my two cents on it. I think it's fascinating. I kind of like, I, I keep wanting it to happen. So like, I hope it keeps stuff like that keeps coming out. And at the very least, it gets passive people maybe more interested in, in it. And then by really just st statistical numbers, some of those people will trickle down and really want to get into or start getting into experiencer reports. And and, and that'll be really cool. I like I, I kind of hope that's the final outcome. Yeah. But yeah, I say bring it on is bring on as, as much of that as possible. But I just say take it with a grain of salt, consider the source, you know, uh, the last, you know, four years was really, really, that's the toughest it's ever been to trust the government. You know? Turbulent. Yeah. And, well, yeah, you know. and that's something I was saying too, you know, it seemed like uh, right after uh, the election, for instance, Fox News started putting out all kinds of, uh, you know, UAP videos and stuff like that. I was like, you know, I think they might've lost the conspiracy crowd. And they're and they're trying to rope them back into uh, Fox News right. by, by uh, what is what is there by dropping some stuff as soon as like the election fraud thing was over they're like what can we drop out What's there the we know the like, conspiracy crowd loves uh, loves videos of flying saucers maybe we could drop something like that and there's always a hidden you know yeah. a, a hidden agenda when yeah. things like that are at play especially with the government yeah like yeah. I said consider yeah, the sources. Yeah. Yeah. But, but bring it on though. The more, the better, you know, uh, uh, again, it's almost a, a guilty pleasure. I'll turn on CNN anytime and watch UFO videos. That's cool to me. Uh, it doesn't mean I'm going to believe them all, but it, it's cool. Absolutely. Yeah. And you do have a, a project that you uh, are working on right now. I believe it's a book coming out in October. Yeah. 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 So ever since I was uh, a little kid, uh, I've written fiction. And my favorite type of fiction is horror. And I'm obsessed with horror movies and, you know, all that good stuff. Uh, so I've been writing horror fiction for, you know, 30 something years, but I've never uh, uh, professionally published anything that is horror fiction. And so, you know, I have like five books under my belt right now that are all nonfiction. And so I decided that this next book, like I want it to be fun, like writing, an extraterrestrial book or just a paranormal book in general is really hard and time consuming. There's so much research. There's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, uh, sourcing and getting your uh, citations correct and all that good stuff, uh, you know, to back up everything that, you know, people are saying, stuff like that. It's just a lot of work. Not that I don't love it, but I just like to write, you know? And uh, so this next project that I'm doing is just not UFO related factually. There are some UFO stories, but it's all fictional. So a horror fiction book called We Only Come Out at Night. And that'll be for October of 2021 this year. Yeah. And I'm really excited about it. It's, uh, it's actually flash fiction. And flash fiction is typically anywhere from like 500 words to like 2500 words. I forget the exact right. amount of words, but it's, but it's not very much. So you're trying to convey something really intense and hopefully scary in not very many words and that's just really been challenging but challenging in a fun way and uh, i just love i just love telling those types of stories with that kind of restriction i also have some 
other thoughts of you know some novels and some things like that but this is gonna be my first foray into some not uh, into some fictional work are you finding that uh to be like a welcome break from uh the heavy yeah. like personal stories yeah yeah it's definitely a welcome break and honestly it's like a welcome break on my psyche you know um because I was expressing before, like I have my own issues with anxiety and depression and suicidal ideation. And the last book I did, Granite Skies, uh, is the story of one man, Mike Stevens. And he has, he's had a lifetime of encounters starting real young like me. He was three or four years old. He turned 41 this month. And it's still happening to him to this day. And there was a point in his mid twenties, mid twenties to early thirties, where he really lost hope and personal relationships crumbled, his marriage ended, and it didn't really get a whole lot better personally for him, but for understanding what was happening to him, he really took a turn and started to, um, try to learn as much as he could about the UFO phenomenon on what his what's been plaguing him all these years. So that kind of propelled him forward for a little while. And then, uh, but as he got older, you know, the the anxiety and depression and the PTSD that he's had from these experiences really started catching up to him. And it actually got to a point not too long ago uh, where he decided he made an absolute decision to end his life. And there oh, was man. even a plan for it. And um, it ended up not happening. And the reason it didn't happening, it, it didn't happen is, is just as sad, but also kind of a miracle, you know, and people should read the book to find out what that reason is, because it's yeah. amazing. It's sad and amazing. And um, um, so now he's kind of on the other side of it mentally, he at least he has a little bit more hope now. He doesn't want to end his life, at least right now. And I'll I'll take that for right now, you know, yeah. and yeah. hopefully, hopefully it continues to get better. So anyways, uh, saying all that is to, I guess, finally say that that's, that's really heavy shit to uh, hear someone say, and then to also relate with. And because of him being so raw and honest uh, with me and in telling a story, like at no matter what cost, like we actually walked away from a publisher. It's been a whole thing. We decided to put it out anyways, like during the pandemic, which was a bit of a nightmare. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, because of his rawness and, and honesty, I just decided to share a lot of my truths. And so a lot of my truths are in that book about that kind of same subject matter, the, the mental health stuff. And uh, because of that, he and I became really bonded. Like, we're not even the best of friends. Like, I love the guy, but it's, you know, we don't hang out or anything. You know, he lives like four hours away from me, but it bonded us like almost like we went to war together. You know what I mean? So like, sure. uh, it's just wild. And that's what I'm coming off of that project. So I'm yeah. like, I need something fun to do. Yeah. And that was my podcast, which uh, season four just launched. So it was doing my podcast and writing a bunch of horror fiction and that has uh, at least helped me decompress you know a bit of a long-winded answer but no no, no that's great I mean very worthy and I totally get that you know you guys becoming close and bonded through that because I mean you went to bat for him yeah. and uh he trusted you at the same time with his story and his Absolutely. truth so huge. that's that's a huge thing yeah for anybody to do you know 
Yeah. And, and he was with me every step of the way. Like, you know, he, like I was, he's like, okay, I'm going to tell you my story. And then it's, you know, you do your author thing, you know? Yeah. And that's a relationship we, you know, started out with and we kept each other in the loop constantly. And when I told him about some financial concerns that I had with the publisher, he's like, walk away, dude. Like it's, it's fine with me, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, are you sure it's fine? Cause that means like, cause I'm under contract. That means I might not be able to write anything. I might not be able to put anything out for a couple of years now. And he's like, if that's the way it is, that's the way it is, you know? And so it was just a lot of support which is really cool and really healthy. And then that ended up working out like our, my previous publisher who are just lovely people. We just couldn't come to an agreement. That's all. We don't hate each other, but sure, we sure. couldn't come to an agreement and gave me their blessing to do whatever the hell I wanted to with the manuscript. And um, uh, once I told Mike that, you know, he was ecstatic, I was ecstatic and we decided to go, you know, we're like pandemic be damned. We're going to tell your story. And it, uh, that was really even though it was hard, it, it just seemed like it was supposed to happen that way for whatever right. reason, you know? Well, like what a, what a meaningful experience though, too, you know, like uh, not, yeah. not just being able to tell his story, but being able to tell his story and also have your own like set of experiences to go along with it that make it that much more important. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely agree. It's definitely been the, uh, the most challenging, but the, re the most rewarding project I, uh, I'd ever done. And, um, um i don't even know if i want it to happen again it probably will but uh it, i i just need i just need something for me right now and that's this horror fiction stuff you know right on and a, a great title it has too i love i love the title of your of your new horror book cool. uh, I, I, hopefully we could get that you know uh as soon as it comes out in october and then we'll have you on the show right the release <laughs> yeah. of the book exactly yeah, cool. right and your latest book was uh granite skies yep and that's yeah. out right now no more i can't thank you enough uh for coming on and speaking with us tonight and for anybody watching we're going to share all of nomar's uh links here in the bio to this uh video check out his podcast the i want to believe podcast that's it's, right uh, everywhere, you, everywhere you get your podcast and once again, man, we can't thank you enough for uh, taking taking your time out to, to come and speak with us. I really do appreciate it. Yeah, and I appreciate it too. Uh, you guys made this fun, and and uh, that that's always a, a big deal for me. So thank you so much. Anytime, man. Hope to talk to you All soon. Right. That was an incredible interview. We want to thank Nomar so much for coming on tonight and uh, sharing not only his personal experiences, but kind of taking us on the journey of what it's like uh, to, to be there and make uh, the documentaries and uh, novels that he makes. Uh, the perspective of an author from this, for this type of, for this field is, is incredible. And we look forward to his break from his traditional writing into his horror fiction that he's got coming out October of 2021. That's called We Only Come Out at Night. Yeah, I super look forward to that. Uh, checking out a little flash fiction from him is going to be great. We also want to take this time to thank everybody that has been on Beam Screams and Dreams. Not only the guests, but everybody that has watched and supported us on this journey so far. Uh, we've had a lot of fun making this series and... We plan to keep it going for as long as we can. Definitely couldn't have done any of this without our incredible guests and without all these amazing viewers that we've had so far. And uh, keep it going. You know, check the link in the descriptions 
for no Mars information, for our information. And don't forget, just because we're not here for season two just yet, we still have that mini series coming out. That's right. Look forward to Delorean's DeLorean coming out soon. And actually, we're going to be bringing you guys a, a season one rap party coming up in about two weeks. Uh, we look forward to doing that as well. We're going to so. have some other guests back on that you guys really enjoyed watching. And I think it'll be a, a nice little sit down and yeah, kind of a fun little tea. fun little, <laughs> yeah, fun little chat between everybody. So, as always, thank you for tuning in to Beam Screams and Dreams. See you next season. Thank you.